What's up, everybody? This is Fred Ricciani of TSC News with our final Elimination Chamber review, our retro review, looking back at the demonic structure, the themed pay-per-view Elimination Chamber. We're looking back now at Elimination Chamber 2015, which was a WWE Network exclusive special. It was originally a house show in Corpus Christi, Texas. They said, hey, let's create another WWE Network event. We're going to make this the Elimination Chamber. They had skipped the February event, which they annually did, which they're bringing back in 2017. Instead, they had Fastlane, which which has been a pretty maligned pay-per-view the last couple of years. And this featured two vastly different Elimination Chamber matches, including maybe... Actually, I'm not even going to say maybe. Including the worst Elimination Chamber match of all time. But it also featured... The birth of a star, and some very interesting news coming out of it. We had this take place again, Corpus Christi, Texas, May 31st, 2015. No disrespect to the nice people of Corpus Christi, Texas, but historically, Corpus Christi, not a hot crowd. It's one of those tough WWE crowds for whatever reason. It just is, and... This crowd had a hard time making a reaction uh, throughout the night, but they did pop for a few things. So, we had our dark match, our pre-show match, Stardust, a.k.a. Cody Rhodes beat Zack Ryder. It was nothing. And then we had the New Day defending their tag team titles against the Lucha Dragons, the team of Tyson Kidd and Cesaro, the primetime players, the Ascension, and Los Matadores. This match was all right, but given who was involved and historically the Elimination Chamber match, usually being a match which decides who goes to WrestleMania, who wins the world title, it was disappointing. It did have its high spots, though, given who was involved. We had the Ascension, Connor and Victor, eliminate Los Matadores. Yeah. We had the Ascension, then eliminate Kalisto of the Lucha Dragons. And then we had the primetime players eliminate the Ascension. Primetime players then eliminated the most popular team in the match at the time, Cesaro and Kidd. Poor Tyson Kidd shortly thereafter would wrestle a dark match with Samoa Joe. Nearly paralyzed himself on a muscle buster. And subsequently uh, probably never wrestle ever again, which is it's quite sad. Although, thank God the guy has his health. He has a beautiful wife in Natalia. He's getting those total divas checks. He's still getting checks from WWE. Hopefully they'll uh, promote him to a trainer of some sort or a coach in NXT because he's truly an asset to the wrestling business. This was one of his last matches. Uh, quite, quite sad. Quite sad. And what was quite sad was this coming down to the primetime players and the New Day. New Day ended up winning. Crowd didn't care for the primetime players. Primetime players would eventually win the tag titles only to lose them to the New Day, who would have a historic, long-reigning, the longest-reigning WWE tag title reign in history when they'd regain the tag titles at SummerSlam and then eventually lose them to Cesaro and Sheamus in December of 2016 at Roadblock End of the Line, another WWE Network special. We also had Nikki Bella defeating Paige and Naomi to retain the Divas Championship. She went on to have a year-long title run until Charlotte beat her and then broke that record. This was a match. 
I felt bad for Naomi because she turned heel this year. And she looked to have some momentum. She had a cool new heel character, cool entrance, cool theme music. And she lost two straight times to Nikki Bella. That's not how you build a heel. We had Kevin Owens making his WWE pay-per-view debut. Still the NXT champion. He had taken out John Cena. He had answered his United States Championship Open Challenge by just powerbombing the guy. And this was a non-title match. But it was a great match. And Kevin Owens pinned John Cena clean in the middle of the ring. Cut a great promo afterwards. A star was born. Well, you can make the argument Kevin Owens has been a star for a long time, dating back to his days in Ring of Honor. But to a massive WWE audience, Kevin Owens became a star. It was incredible. And then... And then... They proceeded in a matter of a month and a half to negate the great work they did with Kevin Owens because they established him as a great athletic wrestler. They established him as a serious threat. He had been undefeated at the time. He had never been defeated in NXT or in WWE period. And on that same pay-per-view, they decided... We're going to promote our next main event or one of our next big matches for the next pay-per-view that's going to air on the DDB network. Not, literally, minutes after he beat John freaking Cena in his debut, they announced it's going to be John Cena versus Kevin Owens 2 at Money in the Bank. What? This is a feud that could have been built up into a WrestleMania main event the next year. And instead, within two months, they had Kevin Owens win, get a career-making win, lose to John Cena two weeks later, and then lose to John Cena via submission, and then lose to Finn Balor. Yeah. Kevin Owens eventually won the IC title in September from Ryback. Then lost it to Dean Ambrose. Then won it again. Then lost in a ladder match. He eventually became WWE Universal Champion. Uh, And while it's nice to see Kevin Owens having success, having great matches, great promos, he's a guy that's largely been pushed as a weak champion, a comedy character of some sorts. A guy that fans like, who sells some merchandise, but definitely not the serious threat at the main event level that he was at the time of his WWE main roster debut. But if you want to relive this great moment, watch an excellent match, go back and watch this match. It was great. Great match. Great result. Even if unfortunately it was negated just a couple weeks later. Neville beat Bo Dallas. This sucked. We had... The worst Elimination Chamber match of all time for the vacant Intercontinental Championship. Daniel Bryan had to vacate the title due to injury. It would end up being, of course, a career-ending injury. Ryback versus Sheamus versus R-Truth versus King Wade Barrett, who won the King of the Ring and was preceded. Wade Barrett winning King of the Ring should have been a great moment. He beat Neville in the final. I believe he beat Neville in the finals. In retrospect, maybe Neville should have won since he's now the king of the cruiserweights. Uh, But, yeah, King Barrett won. And I'm just thinking back to how I used to be a huge Wade Barrett fan, thought he was going to be a future world champion, thought they'd finally right the ship 
that is the Wade Barrett barrage. And instead he became king and became a comedy character. We also had Dolph Ziggler in this match and Mark Henry. Sheamus, he's a guy who would later win the world title because he won money in the bank and then cashed in at Survivor Series on Roman Reigns. He'd have a glorious one-month title run that absolutely sucked. And Sheamus came back with a mohawk with the braided beard. And for a guy that really needed a lot of help getting over, even with the repackaging and the the great entrance and, and new theme song and everything, they did him no favors because he lost this match. A month before, in his first pay-per-view match back, he lost to Dolph Ziggler. Yeah, he came back, lost to Dolph Ziggler, lost a Kiss My Arse match with Dolph Ziggler. But he didn't kiss Dolph Ziggler's arse, he just attacked him afterwards. And then he lost this match, and lost a bunch of other matches. But hey, he won money in the bank, and he ended up cashing in on Roman Reigns. That did not work out for him very well. Sheamus... Classic example of a guy that's a damn good worker who should be more over than he is, but because of various creative missteps on top of, frankly, not having that it factor, he's a guy that just you know never got over to the level that he thought he should have. Never as over as the level was pushed for the most part, but he's a guy who's a, a great heel, damn good worker. He's had a lot of great matches in his career, but he just you know never never got to that level, and frankly, t- creative never did him any favors either. I mean, they gave him the title, but just because you give a guy the title doesn't mean anything. You got to book the guy correctly. I mean, in 2012, he had a great title run where he had a lot of great matches, maybe the best match on every pay-per-view, you know, throughout 2012. He had a great run, but uh, by that point, I think, I think fans kind of were like, yeah, you know, we, we, made, we made up our mind. Sheamus is, is a good wrestler, but yeah, we don't want to see him pushed at that level. So you're wondering who won this match then? Well, we had R-Truth pin King Barrett. Way to get over King Barrett. We had Ryback pin R-Truth. Sheamus pin Mark Henry. Sheamus beat Dolph Ziggler. And then Ryback beat Sheamus. This match went on forever. Afterwards, Daniel Bryan gave Ryback the IC title. It was nice to see Ryback get the win as a guy who got over, then got buried for whatever reason, then got pushed again, then got buried for whatever reason. I always feel like Ryback was a guy that was more over than his push. And yeah, he won the IC title, did his thing, and a year later, he'd be gone. And nowadays, he's doing some indies. I guess he's doing okay for himself. Uh, didn't seem very happy with WWE. Although, I really haven't seen him booked a whole lot in the indies. Maybe WWE made the right call. I don't know. But he's a guy who did work really hard. It was nice to see him win the IC title. It was not exactly a, a spectacular reign. And he ended up losing to Kevin Owens later in the year. And then lastly, we had Dean Ambrose defeat current WWE champion Seth Rollins. Well, current champion at the time. Seth Rollins, but it was not to be. You see, Dean Ambrose went for his flying elbow drop thingy, the you know the, the standing elbow drop on the guy standing. Seth Rollins used the ref as a shield, irony, and then Dean Ambrose hit the dirty deeds, one two three, but it turns out it was a dusty finish. It was a non-finish because you see. Well, Dean Ambrose won. He technically won via DQ despite getting the pinfall on Seth Rollins. And he ended up stealing the world title, celebrating with Roman Reigns. And a month later, he faced Seth Rollins in a ladder match at Money in the Bank. He lost that match. It was a really good match until 
they literally did everything they could to kill Dean Ambrose. I mean, he got power bombed on every single barricade, which is not smart on his part. And he still almost nearly won the match. So it was it was a ridiculous level of non-selling and yeah, just the latest in the saga of Seth Rollins and Dean Ambrose. But hey, look on the bright side, Dean Ambrose fans. A year later, he'd win Money in the Bank and cash in at, on Seth Rollins at Money in the Bank. Again, irony. But it, it was a nice little surprise. It was, it, was, it was kind of a shame to see Dean Ambrose not win. And for Seth Rollins, it was just yet another misstep in his post-Shield career. He had won the world title from cashing in on Roman Reigns at WrestleMania 31. And he, he he was booked like a geek all throughout 2015. Had great matches, was pretty good on the mic, but booked like a geek. He needed J&J security, Jamie Noble, Joey Mercury. He needed Kane's help. He needed Triple H's help all the time. I don't mind heel tactics to win, but man, he just he was booked like a biatch. He really was in 2015. It was a shame because he had a lot of great matches. Again, he had a lot, a lot of great matches, but... Ugh, the perception of him wasn't good. He was overexposed. The brand extension wasn't back yet. So he was on Raw and SmackDown cutting these long, boring, 20-minute promos. Ugh. Man, it was, it, was, it was a tough time for Seth. And, of course, he got injured later in the year. Came back in 2016. Was super over. And they turned him heel. Then he sort of turned babyface in late 2016. And now, at the time I'm recording this in February 2017, he may be back in time to wrestle Triple H at WrestleMania 33. But he's not really that big of a babyface. He's popular. He's got a lot of social media followers. But he's not the biggest star in the company he could have been had they just turned him face. But... I digress. I think you'll see a common theme in these retro Elimination Chamber reviews. What could have been with a lot of these guys like Drew McIntyre, like John Morrison, uh, like like The Shield. You know, you go back to Elimination Chamber 2013. They were over as hell against the Wyatt family. And then you see all the creative missteps over the last four years with all three guys. And even with, you know, with, with with the Wyatt family as well. With Bray Wyatt and Luke Harper. Although... At the moment, it looks like they may write that ship with Bray Wyatt. Finally. Finally. Uh, as for Roman Reigns, Seth Rollins, Dean Ambrose, jury is still out. But do I recommend this event? I'd say no. Outside of Kevin Owens and John Cena, I'd say no. If you want to watch a great match, watch that match. Nothing else. Everything else in the show was just... It was all right. It was all right. It was good for a WWE Network special that was kind of thrown on the fly a little bit. But it's probably the weakest Elimination Chamber event ever in terms of the concept of Elimination Chamber. Those two chamber matches were, yeah, not all that great. But folks, I want to hear from you. Were you in attendance for Elimination Chamber 2015? Are you going to go back and watch it? Let me know. Leave a comment below. Tweet us. Facebook us. Do what you got to do. If you enjoyed all these retro reviews, please like Share, subscribe, and until next time, as always, enjoy the matches.